0: Welcome to Sophos Security Chat Chat, episode 191. For the 25th of March, 2015, I'm Chester Wisniewski, here once again with Paul Ducklin. Hello, Chester. You're in Slovenia, I believe. Yes, I'm currently recording from a sidewalk cafe in beautiful downtown Ljubljana, and I'm here for an event later this week with one of our distributors in Slovenia, and... It's uh, it's starting to feel like springtime. It's a pretty, pretty nice place to be right now. Well, I suppose theoretically, since we passed the equinox, it's supposed to be
1: autumn where I am. But it feels like midsummer, so I'm enjoying it while it lasts.
0: Well, this time of year, uh, we always end up talking about the pwn to Own contest at CanSec West in Vancouver. Uh, usually, I'm in Vancouver to enjoy it.
1: Yes, that's the other part of the equinox, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, But but this time around, obviously I'm not in Vancouver. I wasn't able to attend, although some of our our colleagues from Selfless Labs were able to go. Um, There's always a bit of a a spectacle made of the contest. Uh, Anything different this year? I mean, usually we just hear Chrome was popped, Flash was popped. uh. Well, one has to remember that people only enter if they think they're
1: going to be able to attack one of the products. So the ones that were on the list were the, the big four browsers, Firefox, IE11, Chrome and Safari. Uh, an Adobe Flash and Adobe Reader plugged into your browser and there were 11 attacks attempted 10 succeeded. Out of those 10 in four cases the attacker was able to go onwards from compromising the browser or getting user level access to get system or root level access and uh, you get an extra 25,000 US dollars if you can promote yourself to system one chap, Jung Hoon Lee from Korea, he entered on his own, wasn't part of a team uh, he managed to pop i e eleven Chrome and Safari, and he took home a cool two hundred twenty five
0: thousand u s dollars Well, I guess this is a good example to to uh refer to when we talk about patch Tuesdays or update Tuesdays when we say, hey, there's an elevation of privilege and there's a remote code execution. And gee, they'd be a lot worse if you could combine them. So I guess that's what that $25,000 is, right? It's it's combining those two things together to show how much more dangerous they are. Indeed. And with almost
1: half of the successful attacks also including a system level compromise, it does show that all vulnerabilities uh, represent a serious risk quite whether we need to go to the, the, the theater and the drama of actually turning those vulnerabilities into spectator-friendly, I-can-pop-you-in-one-second exploits, I'm not sure. We're running a poll on naked security if you want to have your say. You know, it's Pone to own uh, positive, neutral, or negative in terms of this taking the vulnerability all the way.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit uh, mixed on my opinions about it as well, in that I think For some reason, the spectacle is good because it it draws attention to something that's important and it's something that I guess the general public uh, bothers to pay attention to because of the spectacle. But on the other hand, uh, it could encourage people to, to sit on vulnerabilities that we might all be better off if they were fixed a little sooner.
1: Yes, I tend towards that view, but I've noticed that some commenters on Naked Security are saying, well, you know what, this makes it absolutely clear why... There's no such thing as a vulnerability you can sweep under the carpet.
0: Well, along the same theme, uh, we saw this week some things discovered because of the Freak vulnerability that actually weren't necessarily related to the Freak vulnerability. And I guess this goes to the many eyes make all bugs shallow kind of concept in that, unfortunately, there aren't many eyes most of the time, right? Because of Freak, people started looking at keys that are installed on machines doing SSL And because suddenly we're looking, we discovered some more vulnerabilities that were unrelated to Freak. And I I guess the the spotlight shining on a given fix or a given vulnerability does make a difference in us finding additional flaws, doesn't it?
1: It does. So what happened here is some researchers at
0: Royal Holloway,
1: um, part of the University of London, decided, of a Friday afternoon, as you do, why not let's go and have a look and see how good the community has been at patching against Freak. And they found that From two weeks before, when about 25% of servers and routers on the internet were probably at risk, it was suddenly down to 10%. But because they were looking, they actually learned something about the RSA keys that routers and servers were using when you asked for this outdated, outmoded, export-grade encryption strength for RSA using 512-bit keys. And what they noticed is a substantial number of servers pushed out exactly the same RSA keys. I mean this should never ever happen. Even if a server generates a key and keeps it in memory for the entire runtime of the server, which could be days, weeks, months, even years, that's sort of acceptable because a crook has to break into the server to get that key and it only ever applies to that server. So the idea of two servers having the same key, all it tells you is there's a huge problem with randomness and nobody noticed because it was in the legacy code, and until you went and tried the legacy code, you weren't going to spot the bug.
0: Yeah, this is not a new thing, of course. We, we saw a similar flaw even in, in non-appliance you know appliance or router devices with the Debian SSH bug a few years back where uh, there was a very limited number of keys that were used for OpenSSH on Debian, and it, it sounds like we're still not necessarily fully exercising our code as part of our test procedures.
1: Since the U.S. said export grade ciphers were no longer required, which was sometime, what, 1999, 2000, they scrapped that law. No internet client has really had to bother asking for export grade keys, so it sort of drops out of your test matrix. The way to do it is not to stop testing and using the code, it's remove the code altogether, because if it isn't there, it can't be called. That's the only way you can guarantee that, I'm afraid.
0: The other thing that comes to mind for me is just uh, I was in, while I was in Germany, I had to uh, log into a telecom provider website to activate a SIM chip for my mobile uh, wireless internet. And the website assured me that I needed to have at least Internet Explorer 3 in a browser that supports 128-bit SSL certificates. And when you see something like that, it does make you wonder, how much legacy code is in this and how insecure is this thing? IE3! That's a long time ago, Chester. Yes, yes. Uh, and you know, while we're speaking of mobile, I guess that kind of brings up the last story we're going to cover today, which is related to the Facebook mobile app. And while uh, both of us have been generally quite nice to Facebook lately in that they've done uh, a pretty good job at security and we've complimented them on it, uh, bugs still exist in, in all products. And in this case, it was related to some more... Photo vulnerabilities. So, I guess th- there was a gentleman a few weeks ago that we talked about that had figured out a way of deleting anybody's photos and had gotten a rather uh, large payout from Facebook uh, for discovering the flaw and reporting it through their vulnerability disclosure program. And he discovered another bug. Or, well, what's it this time?
1: Laxman Mutaya has done it again, is how I put it on Naked Security. Basically, he discovered that if you use the Facebook mobile app, then there's an option sync photos automatically from phone which means that every time you take a photo on your phone it uploads it into Facebook's cloud so that if you ever want to share it later it's frictionless and easy. The photos are private by default so they just sit there until you decide to share them. So it should have been reasonably harmless except that what Laxman discovered is that any app on your phone that is authorized to read photos locally could also read photos that have been synced Facebook. Now, you can argue, well, if you're syncing all your photos anyway, what does it matter? The reason it matters is A, you could already have deleted the photos from your phone and they might still be on Facebook. B, photos include screenshots. And C, the synced photos could include photos that you've taken on a completely different device.
0: This is why I get really nervous about mobile apps and that there's a lack of visibility as to what they're doing or what they can do. And, uh, you know, the Facebook app, while probably better than many, I I wouldn't imagine that it would automatically upload my photos as a default option just you know, which has nothing to do with this flaw necessarily but it makes me uncomfortable the idea that my photos are being copied without an explicit notification saying hey do you want to do this I, I, I like being asked and in fact I probably feel better about the app if I think it's a great feature, if I think having a backup of my photos on Facebook is a cool thing, free cloud storage in essence I'm probably going to feel better about Facebook if they ask me, because then I'll be aware of it and I'll think, hey, look at this free thing I'm getting.
1: Certainly when I installed the Facebook app to uh, research that story and write it up for Naked Security, photo syncing was on by default. I had screenshots that I was taking to write the story were my photos. But it didn't work at first because i had actually conservatively gone in and said I don't want to give any apps access to my photos except the photos and the camera app uh, on the iPhone."
0: Yeah, I mean, this is part of the problem, I guess, with, with mobile as well, is that uh, you say, oh, on my iPhone, it's this. And then, of course, if I'm using it on Android, it's that. And if I'm on Windows phone, it's the other thing. And it's really hard for us to provide advice around mobile apps because they may behave differently on different platforms. So we can't just say, oh, the Facebook app, because on your iPhone, you could restrict it from accessing your photos, where, to my knowledge, I don't really have that option on an Android. So it it really makes things ugly.
1: My understanding on Android even in lollipop it's still the case that unless you're using a jailbreak and you're using is it privacy guard or something like that from cyanogen mod you get asked up front do you want to allow this app to access your camera and your photo or your photos and if you say yes then it gets that right and you can't go in later and say I want to I want to remove that particular permission from this particular app with the iPhone you can go in open up the app. In the in the security settings and say, no, I don't want that app uh, to be able to access my microphone anymore. It's a hassle to go in and manage it for each and every app, but certainly from a business point of view, it seems to make a lot more sense from a kind of mobile device management perspective.
0: Well, from my perspective, I think I'm going to stick with using the browser most of the time where I know precisely what's happening. Uh, you know, I realize that's not realistic for others.
1: Yes, I suspect if we had pwn to, pwn
0: to own for mobile apps... Um, they wouldn't need two days. Yeah, that's, that's true. Well, on, on that note, I uh, just want to make sure everybody that may be attending RSA knows that, of course, sofa will be there, and we invite you to come see us at our stand. I believe we're going to be in the same location that we usually are, right at the front entrance to the sponsor exhibit hall.
1: For people outside North America, uh, probably worth saying that's in San Francisco, starting, I think, around about the 19th of April, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's, there's some before and after activities at RSA, depending on whether you're a full attendee and all that kind of thing. And uh, I know you had posted about uh, us potentially uh, winning a, uh, one of the security blogger awards.
1: You came so close to inviting people to vote for us there, didn't you?
0: <laughs> if you are a security blogger or podcaster, we would certainly appreciate your vote. On that note, I will conclude Self-Security Chat Chat 191. As always, the latest security news is available over at https colon All of our podcasts are available on iTunes uh, via RSS or in the TuneIn app or over at soundcloud.com slash Until next time, stay secure.